Do you love money? Do you lust for money? Are you indifferent towards money? Or do you freaking hate the stuff? Let's talk about how the answers to these questions can affect our pocketbooks. Stay tuned. This is Raven's Fine Art. My name is Raven. And today we are moving on to the next chapter in the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. The topic of chapter two is desire. So the definition, of course, is very simple. Desire is just to hope or wish for or to have a longing or a craving for something. Now, when I was thinking about desire and the relation to, you know, becoming successful and attracting more money into our lives, I think the most appropriate definition for desire is the sexual one. So when you think about desire in that context, it's not simply a matter of longing for something or hoping for something or wishing. When you have a desire for a person sexually, it becomes a dominating force and it becomes a very strong uh, thought pattern. And it's more of a motivation to actually do something. So the desire that will lead to wealth is the type of desire that leads to action. So it's a motivating force. So it's that kind of a strong pull. Um, so there are three quotes that I think really encapsulate this issue of desire. The first comes from page 39 of the book or my version of it. It says only those who become quote money conscious unquote ever accumulate great riches. Money consciousness means that the mind has become so thoroughly saturated with the desire for money that one can see oneself already in possession of it. Okay. The second quote comes from page 45 and it says, most people never learn the art of transmuting their strongest emotions into dreams of a constructive nature. And the third quote comes from page 43, a burning desire to be and to do is the starting point from which the dreamer must take off. Dreams are not born of indifference, laziness, or a lack of ambition. Okay, so that in a nutshell are the issues that we're talking about when it comes to making more money or achieving success in, in any field, however you define it. So first of all, you have to become money conscious if you want to make more money. I spoke about in the introduction last week about how it has to become important to you. If it isn't important to you, then you're not going to be able to make more of it. Even though a part of you may want to make more money, if it's not an important thing to you, it's just not going to happen. So you have to become money conscious and you have to come up with your own reasons. Being money conscious, I think is extremely important because your life isn't in order until your money is in order, period, full stop. If you don't know where your money is going, there's going to be a lot of other areas of your life that are gonna be fairly scattered. Uh, every month you're going to wonder what happened. That's really not a good way to go through life. And you don't need a lot of money to become money conscious. 
Now I myself went from, I've gone from abject poverty, not abject poverty like living under a bridge, but sharing a house with other people as I talked about last week and you know, having almost nothing. I mean, I think I was living at my lowest. I was living off of $1,000 a month in Los Angeles, which is far below the poverty level. Somehow I made it work, you know, for a lot of reasons. I think my mind was right, but this area of my life was not right. So becoming money conscious was very helpful. And it started for me with a budget and a budget really is freeing. It's not restrictive at all. It, it tells you exactly what you're working with. You start with the truth and the truth shall set you free, as they say. So the issue though of desire is that to me, when I was thinking about this, it is the easiest and also the trickiest of all the principles in the book. I say easy because most people have a desire for more money. So it's not like you have to talk people into wanting more money. The desire is there. It may be vague to some extent, or there may be some mixed feelings towards it. I think that's the most common, um, but there's almost always universally a desire to have money and, to, and certainly to have more than you have right now. Um, but that's not good enough. As we talked about um, the quote of dreams are not born of indifference, laziness, or lack of ambition. So just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it. If you're lazy, if you're basically indifferent, and if you don't have any ambition, then you can't expect to you know, have your dreams come true. You just have to settle for whatever life gives you. And that's fine, that, but that has to be a conscious choice. Um, and you can't blame anything else, any other people. If you're lacking in ambition, then that's a choice that you've made, and that's fine, but just recognize that it is a choice. But I say that desire is tricky because it can easily backfire. And I don't hear this talked about very much, the whole backfiring of desire, either because people are maybe not conscious of it or haven't thought of it that way, but it can definitely backfire. And I think that's why a lot of people may have a push-pull relationship with money because they see it backfiring and they may not put it into those words, but there's something about having money that looks unappealing to them. And to really kind of bring home what I mean about all this, I'm going to read a passage from the Bible, okay? This is from 2 Samuel 13, 1 to 20. And once I've done, I think you'll understand why I'm reading this, but it's a cool story nevertheless, <laughs> okay? So this is in the time of David um, in the Old Testament, King David. Uh, so it says, in the course of time, Ammon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. So uh, just to backstory, David had a ton of wives. So these, these guys were brothers, but they were not full brothers. So uh, they were half brothers because he had lots of wives. So Ammon was one of the sons and uh, Tamar was a daughter from another mother and they shared a, she shared a mother with Absalom. So Absalom and Tamar are full brother and sister and Amnon, son of David, is the half brother, okay. All right, moving forward. So Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now, Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother. 
Okay, so Ammon had this advisor who basically is his cousin. Um, so Jonadab, this cousin, was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So then here's Jonadab. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Am Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. So David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out, bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away weeping aloud as she went. <sighs> so the whole issue of women, <laughs> And their treatment in biblical times is another issue. But the point is that this dude, Amnon, lusted for his sister Tamar. And he called it love. I'm in love with Tamar. He wasn't in love with her. Why? Because he didn't care what happened to her. He was in lust with her. And what happened? It led him to do what is completely immoral and illegal and actually was punishable by death in those days. But he did it anyway because he had grown such a white hot heat of desire for his own sister that he did this thing in the house of his father, the king. Now this is, this is bold. This is horrific. 
Okay. And she was ruined. Like, so, and he knew full well, if something like this happened to a woman in those days, she was unmarriageable. So she ended up having to live with her brother Absalom for the rest of her life, never getting married, never having any children, nothing. And in those days, it's even worse than if that happened to you now, because at least, you know, you could move on these days and like piece together your life and, you know, go to therapy and recover. For her, she was just screwed. That was, she was done. Okay. Um, so what does this have to do with money? Well, what a lot of times we see with wealthy people, the ones that are repulsive to those that don't have money is that we see the lust. Okay. We see this willingness to cut corners. We see this, um, disgraceful, like the ends justify the means kind of attitude. And so it turns people off. So if you're in that place where you've committed to making more money, you do have to look out for the love versus lust phenomenon. Okay. So there is another place in the Bible where it says the love of money is the root of all evil. But in that context, it really means lust. A lot of times it was used, you know, love, but it's lust. The lust for money is the root of all evil. But when you think about love, like let's, let's look at it from a dating perspective. So look at it like Tinder. Like if you're on Tinder swiping left and right, you know, people are just bodies. You're looking for something to feast your eyes on. You're looking to get something, but compare and contrast that to, um, like a marriage app. Like, I don't know the ones out there, the ones that are more like religious based or, um, eHarmony, one of those that's more geared towards people looking to settle down, your attitudes towards somebody that you potentially want to settle down with. Yes, you have that desire, but it's a desire that leads to commitment. It leads to wanting to do things on their behalf. It leads to wanting to contribute. It's not, it's not selfish. Like lust is lust is selfish. Lust is cutting corners. Lust is leads you to immoral behaviors. Um, lust is more like in the moment, whereas love is a long range, long-term plan. Okay. So when you're thinking about your attitude and you're thinking about what kind of desire you need to cultivate, it's the marriage desire, not the tender (laughs) desire. Okay. So the book goes through six steps, um, towards making money and harnessing that, uh, the power of desire. So the six steps are this. You need a precise amount of money that you want to make. Okay. Now, a lot of times people fall down on this because they think, well, you know, I don't care. I just want to make more money. So the reason why the precise amount is, is important is because what you're trying to do is you're trying to, to direct your mind in a focused way. So it needs something to hold on to. It can't do the whole vague, like I want more you know, $5 is more. So you you can't do that. Even if let's say you surpass it or you don't quite reach it. That's not really the point. The point is, is that your brain needs something to fixate on. So you need a precise amount of money. That's step one. Step number two, what will you give in return? Okay. That's very important. What will you give in return? The third step is establish a definite date. Again, this is giving your mind something to fixate on. You need a date. Now, whether you exactly reach that date or whether it's sooner or later, that's not ultimately important, but you have to set a date. It's like the marriage anatomy analogy. So let's say a couple has been engaged. Okay. And let's say they've been engaged for five years. Okay. So 
engaged at that point doesn't mean as much because you don't have a date. Set the date, <laughs> okay? Set the date. Uh, the fourth step is you need a definite plan of achievement. So again, like whether you end up following this plan verbatim or whether you vary, vary off of it and change it down the road, that's fine. I mean, of course your plans will change as you grow and develop, but you still, you need to have some kind of a plan. And it doesn't matter what it is, just come up with something and write it down, okay? The next is you're gonna put it all together and you're gonna actually put all of this stuff into writing. So you're gonna put down the precise amount of money, you're gonna write down what you'll give in return for the money, you're going to establish a definite date for the money, you're going to have a definite plan of achievement, and all of this is gonna go into writing. And then the sixth and last step is that you're going to read this statement aloud twice a day, okay? Now the reason why reading it aloud twice a day is important is that you're telling yourself what's going to happen. Because if you already had the capability of doing this, you would have done it already. So what you're doing is you're in training, okay? Your brain is in training. It's like, think of it like a military boot camp. So the guys that go into the military, they're already young and they're in moderate shape to begin with, which is why they're interested in joining the military, but they're not yet ready, okay? They're not yet fighting material. They're not soldiers yet. So they have to go through boot camp. So while you're achieving your success goals and your career goals and your money goals, you're in boot camp, you're in training. So this is part of the training. You have to exercise, okay? And exercise means you have to read this statement aloud uh, to yourself. Uh, morning and night. And the reason why morning and night is important to book in your day like that is because A, that's when your subconscious is most receptive. And that's the most important reason. But also you're basically bookending your, your day with that. So you're telling yourself that this is important because you're starting and you're ending with this. It's like brushing your teeth. Okay. Being clean is important and you know, having your mind right is important. Okay. Now a tool that I found to help with this is, um, two things. One is this app called Think Up and the app allows you to record like say affirmations and things into it and then it's in your voice and then you play it back and it plays it like in a loop. You can do several in a row and then it loops them and this is a really cool tool. I really recommend it because in a way it's, it's similar to saying it out loud because it's in your own voice and you're hearing it back. So it's the hearing it that's important. You've got to hear it um, because that's how you start to believe that it's possible. If you don't have that app, because um, it's on the iPhone, I don't know if it's on Android, so let's say you don't have iPhone, then just use your phone's recorder, and you can just record your statement into that and then play it back for yourself morning and night. And if you get into the habit of doing that, you're gonna gradually and um, eventually, you're gonna really believe that this is all possible, okay? All right, so that is actually it for today. Um, basically, desire is very important, but you're going to have to look at what kind of desire uh, you're cultivating. You want to fall in love with money. You want to commit to money. You do not want to fall into lust. Don't forget a Amnon and his ridiculous and horrific behavior towards Tamar, okay? Why a love over lust is so important. All right, so that is it for this week. I hope you have a wonderful and productive day and week, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.